0: Episode number four. Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamoridis, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. Coming up on this episode, we will discuss one of the great debates in all of sports, try to settle that. Also, pitch some ideas on how to change the four major sports leagues. We were a commissioner. what changes would we make? But first, week nine NFL wrap-up. Ben, let's start with you. Who's your team of the week?
1: I had a few options for this one, but... I got to go with the Buffalo Bills here. And the reason why is they face a high-powered Seattle offense. We know that defense isn't that great, right? But Josh Allen on the day was in consideration for me for Good Noodle, by the way. 415 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, only seven incompletions. He was on point the entire day. He also had a rushing touchdown. You know, he's kind of an underrated dual threat quarterback. Like he is a dual threat quarterback. Let's not mistake this. He's obviously better thrower than he is runner, but he's a good he can run it too. And moral of the story with this game was the Bills' defense shut down Seattle. We knew that their defense had holes. We knew that they were, you know, kind of porous. But that offense, they they put a lid on him for the most part. They held Russell Wilson. They held Russell Wilson in air quotes there to only 390 yards passing and 34 points, but four turnovers, two interceptions and two fumbles. And that's huge. And that basically won the game for him because they would turn those into points. So I got to give credit here to the, the Buffalo defense for really being stout um, in all phases of defense. So I really got to give some credit for the Buffalo bills here. And you know, Unfortunately, you know, Russell Wilson, he took a backseat here in the MVP race. I mean, he's kind of the front runner still in my opinion, but you know, he had a rare bad game. So but you gotta give credit to the Buffalo Bills here. They they impressed me. Jason, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Ben, you stole my pick. Um, and oh. I don't like that one bit. And I feel like we're gonna mirror each other again in a future award. Um, so I'm gonna switch <laughs> it up here. I'm gonna be on my toes. And I'm going to go with my second option and I'm going to promote that to my number one. And that is the green Bay Packers going back to Thursday night. Their Crypt night previously last year was the 49ers the 49ers just ran all over them last year. And that kind of got over it. I know the niners were, you know, starting Nick Mullins, but that game wasn't even competitive. It was over after three quarters, 28 to three. I shut the TV off heading into the fourth quarter. Um, what, what do I have to say about Aaron Rodgers? Um, 25-31, to 31, 300 yards, four touchdowns, QBR of 147. He played lights out against a defense that a lot of people like, even short of um, Nick Bosa. So on the road, by the way. Um, so tip of the cap to the Green Bay Packers, just blowing out the Niners.
0: Not bad picks, not bad picks at all. But I went with a team that I felt had the most complete effort and up, went up against some real competition. I'd say my issue with your pick, Jason, you're playing the Niners. It's the Packers. Niners are injury-riddled. Their entire roster is just on the IR list. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is that score as close if it's a full Niners team? I don't know. And then for you, uh, Ben, I mean, I wanted to give uh, Josh Allen some credit too, especially, you know, after losing his grandmother and the performance he put up. But against that Seahawks defense, that's, you know, been played bad against quarterbacks all year. It's hard for me to give him any credit there either. My team of the week, the Miami Dolphins, who put on a gutsy road win that featured every player on the roster making an impact. And I'll start with Tua. 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, led the Dolphins on a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. He hit seven different receivers over the course of the game and was also without his top two running backs. So the game was in his hands from the start. But I mentioned that the entire team was involved in this. Defense got involved with scoring, forcing a strip sack that was returned for a touchdown. They held DeAndre Hopkins to just three catches for 30 yards in the game. Not to mention, the Dolphins were were without their quarterback's coach, their defensive back's coach, their outside linebacker coach, and their defensive line coach. And they pulled out a gutsy road win against the sixth-ranked defense in the NFL. On the road, mental toughness, and I got to credit Brian Flores the most. He has this team on a roll. They've won four straight. Tua uh, starting Tua seems to be a great decision so far. Drafting him seems to be a great decision so far, and getting him where they did at number five. Great move. Or did he draft him at three?
2: Five
0: it was five. Mm-hmm. Dolphins, my team of the week. My good noodle, though. Ironically, I put I picked a team that lost their game as my good noodle. The Carolina Panthers, even though they lost. They got into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and nearly pulled off an upset win on the road in Arrowhead. Teddy Bridgewater, 36-49, 310 yards, two touchdowns including three, actually, if you include the one he ran in. They still lost, but any team that can go into Arrowhead and hold their own deserves some sort of credit from me. I likely would have chosen them as my team of the week if they'd won. Carolina Panthers, my good noodle.
3: I'm a good noodle! I'm a was-
2: Good pick. Good pick. I also went with a team that lost, and I was going to pick the Panthers, to be honest, but I thought one of you two would do it, so I, I strayed away from it, and I'm going to go with a guy that I don't think will get much press going forward and, and any praise going forward, and that's Jake Luton. Now, if you ask me who Jake Luton is, rookie six-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he out-threw Deshaun Watson and was a two-point conversion away from sending that thing into overtime. Tip of the cap here to Jake Luton, uh, former Oregon State star, uh, six round pick. He's probably not their future at quarterback unless he strings a few of these wins together. I mean, not he didn't even win, but string these good um, performances together. But if you look at their weapons, you know, Houston, Jacksonville, pretty similar. I would take Houston's. If you look at those two teams, Houston's got the better roster and he outdueled Deshaun Watson stats wise and was a chance. He had a chance to tie that thing late, uh, so shout out to Jake Luton, who I didn't know uh, before the weekend, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I did not watch this game. Saw it on Game Pass after.
3: I'm a good Google. I'm a good Google.
1: So <laughs> we don't we don't give participation trophies out over here. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so those are good picks. Those are good picks. But I went with a guy who. I went with last week, and I'm going to go with him again this week, and that's Dalvin Cook. And when I said that Derrick Henry was the best running back in the league, I think he heard me because the past two (laughs) games, he's been all-world, sensational, amazing. I'm running out of adjectives. 22 carries for 206 yards, 9.4 yards per carry two touchdowns, and he also had two catches for 46 yards. If you're talking about evasiveness, high motor, just flat-out unstoppable, he catches it in the open field. Just forget about it. He's gone. And this guy just creates space and does whatever he wants. And, I mean, we were talking about how, how fast Derek Henry was. This guy's faster. He's just quick. And he's not small. He's 5'10". He's a complete running back and all of a sudden he leads the the league in rushing out of nowhere just from these past two games and you know it's it's looking really good for Dalvin Cook right now I mean you know I know I said Derrick Henry was my offensive player of the year but if he strings like a few more of these games together he's going to blow away Henry in the stats I still think I would rather have Derrick Henry on my team than Dalvin Cook but Dalvin Cook's having a season right now for the ages. I mean, he's playing his butt off. So I got to give it to Dalvin Cook here.
3: I'm a good single! I'm a good single!
1: I like that pick,
0: actually. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he passes Derrick Henry. Because the way Derrick Henry's been playing the last couple games, not not badly, but he wasn't on the pace he was before. Yeah. Cook's outpacing him right now. So I like the pick, Ben. All right, Jason. Dumpster fire.
2: It's hard. To go against this team, there were a couple threats uh, to dethrone this team. Uh, the Patriots last night almost took it. You know, I've never <laughs> seen a fan base so happy to be an zero and eighteen zero eight team who was leading the game for three fourths against a rickety bones Joe Flacco. Super happy about that win, I guess. And then, the, then the Pittsburgh Steelers almost lost to the worst defense in the NFL. But those two didn't didn't quite secure it for me. And that's the Tampa Bay Bucks. It, it's hard to dodge this one if you're Tampa Bay. They and I'm surprised none of us picked New Orleans for team of the week. I mean, they just absolutely destroyed the Bucks. Yeah, they Bucs did. Hit the ball back and they ran it. They rushed it five times. Five times. Four one of one actually. One
1: of those one was, was called back. Yeah, one of them
2: was a knee, but I'm, I just counted that one. So four, technically four times. You guys are right. NFL record for the fewest amount of times in a game. It just didn't have any juice. Brady didn't play well. Let's be honest about it. So I, I still like Tampa and the NFC in the long haul, but. For this specific Week 9 wrap-up, Tampa was the worst team.
0: Yeah, I picked Tampa Bay as well. I mean, they were absolutely atrocious. Embarrassed on their home field, Sunday night football, Brady goes 22-38 for 200 yards, just a little bit over that 209. Three picks. One of them was maybe the worst interception I've ever seen him throw. <laughs> Probably it was awful, and this might have been one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. But I don't blame Brady entirely on this. This is not his fault. The offense went out there three and out on their first four drives in the game. They didn't convert a first down until the middle of the second quarter. Like you said, Jason, only four total run plays all night. So I blame mostly the coaching. That team was not prepared for that game on Sunday night at all. Awful game plan through and through. The defense was bad. Blown coverages all night. Allowed noodle arm Drew Brees to carve them from the inside out and didn't generate any sort of pressure on Brees all night. I I and that's coming from a team who is, what, number two in sacks coming into this game? Yep. Right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't even touch Drew Brees. It was bad all night. They got caught with their pants down, and I blame the coaching staff most of all. I really do. Just a bad night through and through for the Bucks. Ben, can you do it?
1: Absolutely. Can you go against
0: Tom Brady for once? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, all right. No, hey, this, this was not close. This was not close. I was joking around to you guys that if, if the Patriots lost that game to the Jets, they'd probably be my dumpster fire. But it's the Bucks for me, too, to all the points you guys just said. When they lose, they beat themselves. Plain and simple. Angie, you said it was noodle arm Drew Brees. He didn't look like it Sunday. <laughs> he was throwing that thing all over the place. 11 different receivers. When your touchdowns. defense plays
0: as bad as, it, as the Bucs did, you A, can make anyone look great.
1: Ex- hey, <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. But, man, no creativity with play calling. Like Jason said, only four rushing attempts. They were just so predictable, and they were dialing up these stupid plays, like these high-risk plays, when you should have been establishing the run with Ronald Jones, who's probably a top 15 running back in the league right now, you have Leonard Fournette who can catch the ball out of the backfield, but he can also run it too. I just didn't understand what the Bucks are trying to do. And yes, Brady didn't play well, but I credit that to unimaginative play calling, just flat out, not knowing what to do. Like they were just trying to make something out of nothing the entire game. And Andrew, You said that that interception Brady threw was one of the worst throws he's ever thrown. I'll sit here right now and tell you that was the worst throw I've ever seen him throw. That was a terrible throw. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, that's a throw Baker Mayfield makes. And you won't hear me trash Brady a lot ever, but that throw was just terrible. And the reason for that was they're dialing up long plays, these chunk plays against a defense that was completely 100% ready for it. They had no creativity, and they beat themselves. And the defense wasn't good either, like you just said. They were awful in all phases of the game. And I got to blame that on Bruce Arians for just coming up with a stupid game plan. Just absolutely makes no sense to me what they were trying to do against one of the best teams in the NFC. So, you know, the Saints basically locked that division up, in my opinion. But, yeah, Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are my dumpster fire. Not close. I think the most
0: frustrating part of it was just that – I mean, I don't credit this as a Saints win. I mean, the Saints played well, but this was a Bucks loss through and through. Yeah. To me, anyways. The Bucs beat themselves. And I, I think you could – I remember one play that sealed the deal for me, and it came on the second drive on the Bucks. Ronald Jones gets a handoff. They run it off the, off the left guard. He gets a gain of eight for second and two. Problem is, plays called back on a holding penalty – on the left guard. Hague, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. They call him for holding. It turns into second and 20. And from there on out, the bucks quit on themselves. They quit. They abandoned the run. They started going for these huge chunk plays downfield, but no one could get open. No one was gaining separation. Just a bad night through and through. No, there's no halftime adjustments at all from the coaching staff. I just a bad night. And I blame the coaching staff. Most of all, for that Bucks lost.
3: Can I tell
2: a quick story real quick? Yeah. Real quick story. I went to bed Sunday night and I was thinking about the games and I was thinking about this segment and I was like, what is my team of the week? And like you said, Andrew, this was more of a Bucks loss than a saints win. But I was, I was like, should I really reconsider my sentiments about the saints? I mean, I, I didn't buy them all year long, but they just beat the bucks in Tampa. That's a good win. And I was like, yeah, I I was, I was, Turning my way to changing my tune on the Saints. And then I wake up and I see dance videos with a disco ball in their locker room. (laughs) And then I was like, no, this team's not going to go far. I was right. I was right about the Saints. They are not going to go very far. It should not be ladies night in in the locker room after a game. Do, Do you see any other team do that? Did you see the Bucks do that against Green Bay two weeks ago when they blew their doors off? No, I, I didn't. Did you see the Titans do that against the Bills when they, when they absolutely destroyed them? The answer is no. Did you see that the Niners go to Foxborough, beat up Belichick, and co- totally outplayed the Patriots in Foxborough, in Jimmy G's return? Do you think he wanted to play well and win and destroy him? Well, that happened. Did you see any celebrating? Did you see any disco balls? Did you see any strobe lights? Nope. Absolutely egregious. Did you see the eight-nope Steelers do that at any point throughout the last eight games? Best team in the league by record. Not once, not one disco ball, but no. They do went... make TikToks though. Still.
0: <laughs> I will say, like, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I wouldn't be surprised if any other team is doing this. I just think the Saints were the only ones re- to record themselves.
2: And by the <laughs> way, that's okay. Not everything should get put out. If if Jameis Winston, and I know he just beat his team, beat his former team. I knew this was Jameis coming. Winston, who's the third string quarterback completed one pass on the night and that he only got in the game cause it was so lopsided. Yeah. <laughs> he got in the, what are you doing? You didn't lead the team to victory. You're in the center of the dance pile. Oh my God. Sean Payton's you don't see Belichick do, Belichick's doing subway ads, but he's not in the center of a disco party. Oh my God. It was like prom 1973. It was terrible. <laughs> Ben, you remember that day fondly, I'm sure. It was <laughs> terrible. Oh hey. my God. I'm off the Saints. They're not gonna go far. And the first thing I thought of was the Steelers that won nothing this decade. Oh my God. It really upset me. I'm sorry for drilling this segment, but I had to get that off my chest. This was healthy. I had to get it out. No other team's doing that, and they're not making it to the NFC championship. I don't care what you say.
1: Jameis was eating the W's again, Jason. He was you see that in the post game oh, really? interview? Yeah, he was he was he had his he hopped in Drew Brees' post-game interview and was eating the W again. Oh. Like a moron. Like he, like he contributed to the win. It was funny.
2: Yeah, completed one pass against Sean Murphy um, Bunting and, and Antoine Winfield Jr., who's playing well, by the way. But still, <sighs> drive me crazy.
0: Don't apologize for that, Jason. That was great. More hot takes coming up next on The Final Call. on the final call this segment is brought to you by new england sports united.com written by the one and only jason snow new england sports united.com written for new england
2: a g-r-e-a-t publication <laughs> uh, hey gotta add some flavor to this thing every week i like I do the it. same thing i like it i All almost felt right. it wrong that was gonna be bad
0: wait what how, how are you going to spell it
2: i don't know under pressure this is a big time show don't want to melt under pressure. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's settle it. One of the great debates in all of sports. What matters more? What's more vital to a team's success? A great quarterback or good coaching? Jason, let's start with you.
2: I don't want to start this one. I want to send this over to Ben because I no, feel like this is going to be a, uh, this is be a battle between you two.
1: I'm going to duck out for start. this
0: one. You st- I say you start.
1: Certainly. The answer to this question, the answer to this question is very simple. Whoever is on the field slash court is more important than whoever is off it. Now you can say all you want that coaching, you know, is more important, which coaching is important, absolutely, one hundred percent. Coaching is a vital part to success in sports. But your game plan does not matter if you don't have players who can go out and execute your game plan and I know we're going to talk about this, so I'm just going to get it out of the way early. Belichick and Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is considered on this show and on many other shows as the greatest coach of all time, but you need guys who can execute your game plan to win games. We're seeing it this season with Cam Newton and the plethora of just no-name guys on the offense and defense, really, because our defense is all out. So, you know, if he's a quote unquote all time great coach, which he is, and if coaching mattered that much, they wouldn't be two and five right now. Or, no, what is it? Three and five. They would be more like five and three, you know, six and two. But coaching isn't as important as the players who execute the game plans. Look at Brady right now. I know he just had a bad game, but why do you have a bad game? Because the coaching screwed him up but what I'm trying to say is Brady went out and didn't execute his game plan or it was a it was a crappy game plan maybe that was a bad example but Brady is six and three right now and I'm sorry but you put Jameis Winston in there they're not six and three okay but he has a and he has six interceptions this year four of them are against the Saints no yeah so I don't know what to tell you. But for the most part, I feel like the players are more important than the coach. And that goes not just to football. I just use Brady and Belichick there. But that goes to all sports, in my opinion.
0: So, Ben, I generally agree with you. I think you're right. The players on the field do matter a lot. They're the ones executing the game plan. They can win you individual games. They can win you championships. But I think... To have sustained, long-term, prolonged success in any league, it requires good coaching. It requires proper drafting. It requires player development and establishing a winning culture. Mm -hmm. And that's done from the top down, starting with the head coach. It's what we've seen in New England year after year. They go on a 20-year run of success because of great culture, great player development, and good coaching. Brady was just as vital and just as important to that operation as Belichick was. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. It's like For me, it's like a 51-49 split, Belichick 51, Brady 49. Do they win six Super Bowls? No. But they don't even get there without Belichick. I think alt- – because your quarterback is one guy – I think if you say it, the quarterback matters more, you're discounting the, the other eleven, the other 10 guys on offense and the 11 guys on defense and the 11 guys on special teams. Coaching, I think, definitely matters way more than players. And if you, it, it, it's a case-by-case scenario. Because in New England, you can say 51-49. But in others, it's in other leagues, other teams, it's 80-20. It's 70-30. You know what I mean? I really do think that, ultimately, especially the decisions you make in the big moments that are, made by those co- by ma- that are made by coaches, we've seen it in the past, how one bad decision by a head coach or one really smart decision by a head coach can make or break a game. So I'm, my, uh, I, I'm sticking with coaching. Coaching is more important than, uh, than players.
2: I see where both you are coming from. But I'm going to lean with the players. And I have a couple reasons why. It's no it's no coincidence that Andrew Luck went eleven and five three times under Chuck Pagano. It's no coincidence that Deshaun Watson continues to have winning seasons outside of this year, obviously, with Bill O'Brien that none of us like. It and it, it's no coincidence that Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl and keeps getting to the playoffs, like beyond Mike McCarthy, because at the end of the day, uh, the coaches can make a call, but it's the players that have to execute and. How many stories do we hear that Aaron Rodgers gave eye rolls at the play call and just audibled out of it? Players, and at least in football I'm talking about, have kind of mostly the final say, especially at quarterback. And, and I'm nailing on, on quarterback because it's the primary position. But I think there's another layer of that evidence that supports Ben and I's case. When a team struggles, who do they fire? Who's often the scapegoat? Do they fire the star player? Do, do they get rid of the star player? Do they ban him from the arena? The scapegoat is always the coach,
0: right? So, because if you fire the star player, it affects your salary cap, and it's hard to move him. You cut the star player, you got dead cap, dead money. You don't want to worry about that. You can cut the coach; it has no effect on your books in terms of a, of a payroll standpoint.
2: But if the but if coaching is more important, wouldn't you you owners can can swallow all this? I get the salary cap can produce some troubles, but if if you have a Bill Belichick, you cling on to him as hard as you possibly can as an organization. And those, obviously, that's an outlier, and those are really hard to come by. And there's a, there's an aspect of luck in getting a Bill Belichick. There's an aspect of just getting a lucky bounce. But they never usually fire the coach. I mean, they never usually fire the players. I'm sorry, excuse me. The scapegoat's always the coach, and I don't think that's a coincidence, whether it be bad LeBron gets to nine finals with nondescript head coaches. And I know we're mainly Thank talking you. about football. Nope, but hey, you took my point, exactly. Yeah. So I, it depends on the league. NBA, all about players, mostly about players. But, uh, Greg yes. Popovich, best coach in the league, missed the playoffs this year. He didn't have any players. Basketball, all about players. Baseball, you can have an argument. Mm-hmm. You need kind of that strategy, you need the manager, you need the general manager, it comes from the top down. Players are, you know, can be replaceable here and there. Football and, ba- and basketball, however, you need an Aaron Rodgers, you need a Tom Brady, and like I said, Jameis Winston in Tampa. Do we think they're a Super Bowl contenders? Let alone favorites? No, they're not even close. I think the players way more
1: than coaching. I will say this: great point about LeBron. By the way, you know, I will give LeBron some credit here. He took David Finally. Blatt. <laughs> he took David Blatt to the finals. He won a championship with Ty Lue. Frank Vogel are those you know big name coaches I know that's basketball and it's a star driven league but still right and then you look at I want to go back to Brady really quick I think in football it does fall on the quarterback and you look at Tom Brady with the Buccaneers okay he comes in there and what does he do he has the ability to walk into a room and change the temperature of the room he goes in there all of a sudden Their offense is better, obviously. Their defense is better because they're not on the field as much because, you know, Brady's not thrown to the other team, unless it's the Saints. And then just overall leadership, accountability. He changed, say what you want, he changed the culture of that Buccaneers team. I mean, you look at them last year with Jameis Winston, they're nowhere near this. The only reason they're in a Super Bowl bubble is because of number 12. And that's players. And, you know, in practice he makes the defense better because the defense is going up against the greatest quarterback of all time and they have the motivation to perform better and to practice better they're practicing harder all reports are pointing to the fact that the defense has been you know a lot better because of practice and how you know brady's been running those practices against the defense you know the offense is obviously better because he's working with those receivers a lot and It's amazing. I've never seen in football how one player can just change an organization like this. The only other guy I can think of is Peyton Manning, really.
0: The truly great players can make up for bad coaching. Yes. The truly great, great players, the Bradys, the Mannings, Rodgers, can make up for bad coaching. The problem is if you really want long-term, prolonged success, if you want to go on a run like the Patriots did, if you want to be like the 90s Yankees, if you want to be the Spurs of the early 2000s, you need a great head coach. You can't do it without one. You can win a championship here or there, but you can't go on a long run of success. And we'll stick to football. Look at all the good teams in the past who've only won one Super Bowl, but bad coaching held them back. Peyton Manning with the Colts. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have only won one Super Bowl. Dan Marino never even won a Super Bowl. Yep. If you want to go into just recent memory of teams that are underperforming, the Browns of last year in 2019. Start of the season, they acquire Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. Offensive line gets revitalized. Miles Garrett's coming to his own. Denzel Ward just put up rookie of the year numbers the season before at cornerback. Baker Mayfield should be good enough to hide with all those weapons and get through a season. But bad coaching, a terrible coaching hire with Freddie Kitchens dragged that team down. You're seeing it now with the Cowboys. How many times have we said the Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFL on paper? Right? But they're terrible coaching. Last year with Jason Garrett. This year with Mike McCarthy, holding them back. Mm -hmm. So many times. You can win a championship here or there, right? You can have a run of two like LeBron James did. Right, You can do back-to-back. But to have a 3 Pete, to be Jordan, to be a great team like those Bulls or the Patriots or the Spurs, you need a great head coach. You need a Phil Jackson. You need a Belichick. You need a Popovich.
1: So you're right. You, bad coaching can be helped by good players, right? But can good coaching be helped by bad players? The answer is no. And Jason brought it up, Greg Popovich one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball. Had no players, right? And then you look at, I'm trying to think, Belichick right now. Belichick right now. I mean, same thing. He just doesn't have the players. And if they're that great, they should be able to at least be second place in the division, right? Be at least over 500, but they're not. And it's because the players are more important. They are on the field doing what they are paid to do, and you know X's and O's is one thing, but to go out and actually execute these game plans is what's the most important aspect of the game. Which is why players can execute without good coaching, but coaching cannot execute without good players. It's just, it doesn't work like that. So the players, to me are always going to be more important.
0: It's really not. It's very close. But I keep saying 51-49. And that extra 1% in the favor of coaches falls in decision-making. The players aren't the ones making decisions. Because those big decisions and pivotal moments are what changes the entire narrative and the entire outcomes of games. Let's just go through recent Super Bowls. Super Bowl Forty-Nine. Pete Carroll decides to throw the ball at the goal line instead of handing it to Barshawn Lynch. That's a great point. That would have given the Seahawks a second Super Bowl title. Probably would have ended the Patriots' dynasty run a year early. Right?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And and then on the opposite side of that coin, Bill Belichick having that play scouted just to put Malcolm Butler, a no-name player at the time, in the right spot to make a game-winning play. Probably the greatest play in Super Bowl history. That doesn't happen without coaching. Super Bowl 52, and, this, and here's, an, here's an argument against Belichick of how good coaching really matters. Super Bowl 52, Tom Brady throws for 500 yards. Probably his best game ever, but the Patriots lost to a backup quarterback because Belichick decided to bench Malcolm Butler. So they got shredded through the air. Let's go to Super Bowl 53, a Patriots win, but not because of Brady, not because of one player, because of defense, because of running the ball in a great offensive line. While Brady kind of had a pedestrian game, twenty-one to thirty-five, two hundred sixty-two yards, no touchdowns, one pick. It was a thirteen-to-three win. And that was an entire team effort, and that's not one individual player. That's the coaching. Super Bowl fifty-one, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan, take their foot off the gas pedal and choke, blow a twenty-to-three lead. A team doesn't do that if they have bad coach. If they have good coaching, that's a bad coaching decision. Last year in the AFC divisional round. Bill O'Brien blows a 25-point lead. Bad coaching. Mm -hmm. Coaching, setting the culture, setting a winning mentality, and knowing the right call to make in the right moments is pivotal. That's a 51-49 split. That extra 1% for coaching is decision-making.
1: See, for me, I'm glad you brought up Super Bowl 51 because that's a great example. You know, The Falcons shouldn't have lost that game. I get that. But do they come... Did the Patriots come back in that game without Tom Brady? Do they come back into that game without Dante Hightower? I don't think so. Especially not without Tom Brady. I mean, to this day... I mean, I know Super Bowl 52 is probably his best game if you look at, you know, big picture. The entire game, you know, start to finish. Stats, all that. In terms of performance and just, like I said, changing the temperature of the room, when you have the entire stadium chanting your name because you're just running it up on the Atlanta Falcons, coming back from what seemed to be nothing, climbing over Mount Everest to win a Super Bowl, your fifth Super Bowl, your record fifth Super Bowl, Tom Brady did that. Tom Brady went out there and was making plays left and right Making perfect throws every time. And they're not in that. I cannot imagine another quarterback in his position who would have done that. I just can't. You can say that, oh, well, Mahomes has the arm to do it. Or, you know, Aaron Rodgers has the arm to do it. You know, even Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl, maybe he has the arm to do it. But it's how you lead your team, the accountability thing. Listen everything Brady does isn't just his skill. It's his mind. His changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Audibles, you know, personnel switching guys in and out like this is all like Brady. It was Brady's well-oiled machined offense along with Josh McDaniels. But it was, if you ask anyone in the Patriots, there was two offensive coordinators, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady. They were hand in hand. And when you get a guy like that, I know Brady's kind of an outlier because he's the goat, but like, for this argument, the the player is the one that's going out there and making these big plays. He's the one going out there and bring your team back from the depths of losing. And to me that's that's where I would give the edge to the players.
0: But well, it's ultimately the job of the coach is to put them in that position with a great game plan. Right? Obviously but Brady's they're not on the field. They're not on the field, but they have to put their players in position. They're playing chess with them, right? Yeah, you need a great player to execute, I know. But if those great players don't have a game plan to work with and their game plan is just – it looks like a five-year-old drew it on a piece of paper with crayon, you're going to lose either way. It's a 51-49 split. It's really, really close for me. But those decision-making moments, Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, those coaches who just – Blow it late in games. They lost the game for those for their teams. Decision of Belichick not to start Malcolm Butler while your defense is getting shredded through the air.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? To, to sour and to spoil the greatest game that Tom Brady's ever played statistically in the Super Bowl. Probably would have put him up. probably would have like been an even greater performance than in Super Bowl 51 if they had won 52. Yeah. It's just what he did th- throughout the game. And but- let's remember... In in Super Bowl 51, Brady was terrible in the first half. We all remember the second half, right? But let's think about it. The second half adjustments made by the coaching staff to put Brady in a position to get the Patriots ball rolling to make that epic comeback, that's implemented by the coaching staff. And on the opposite end, the Falcons not making any adjustments and just figuring, "We're we're up huge, we don't need to do anything, just hand it off every time and don't worry about it. It's the decision-making that wins games, ultimately. And to have prolonged championship success. You can win one game. You can win one season. You can win a single championship on the back of great players. But to have prolonged future success, you need great coaching. It's not done with one player. It's quiet.
2: I mean, there are legit arguments being made. It's just... I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's a blanket statement. I mean, originally I did side with the players, but I don't, it's not like a, like college football players won't really get you far. You need a Saban. You need a, you need a Brian Kelly. You need a urban Meyer. You need a guy to Great kind point. of put a head to that or to that, your operation football like every sport is different. So like basketball, you need LeBron. You don't necessarily need Greg Popovich. Like it's not a blanket statement kind of thing, but for football, like for NFL, I I don't know. I see a little bit of both sides. Ultimately, I think, you know, I think you're seeing it on full display. And I know I don't want to leave it on a cliffhanger because this is kind of a heated argument between you two, but especially about the Patriots and that you're seeing it on full display right now. Like, we don't think of the Tampa Bay Bucks to be a, you know, well-oiled machine coaching wise. We don't, honestly, I don't like Bruce Arians. I think he's a below average head coach. Mm-hmm. They're arguably NFC favorites. But Belichick, best coach in the game, best coach of all time. He's got Cam Newton even. And they're 2-5 and five and barely squeaked by the Jets last night on a last-second field goal. I don't know. It's not, a, it's not a blanket statement in all of sports that coaching matters more than players or players mattered more than coaches. It's a sport-by-sport sport thing. It's, I, I think it's a balance. I think, Andrew, um, I like your 51-49 thing. I think I'll go in that route, but I think I'd give the 51 to the players and 49 to coaching. But I think it's relatively even. It's definitely very close, for sure.
0: Coming up next, we're going to pitch some changes. We're going to play commissioner for a little bit. If we're going to be named commissioner of sports, what changes would we make coming up next on the final call? Back on the final call, final segment of the show today. This segment is brought to you by the Scoreboardtimes.com. scoreboard, times.com. scoreboard times.com, Show your passion while you're here. All right. I don't know about you guys. I'm a, little, I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little annoyed with the world of sports right now because there are some glaring issues that I see at least that I want changed. I want a new commissioner. I want a commissioner of sports, not a commissioner of MLB, no more Rob Manfred, no Roger Goodell. I want a new commissioner of sports, and I think it should be me. I can make the sports world infinitely better, I think.
2: Oh, boy. Pitch us.
0: <laughs> Some changes. I'll start with the NBA. My first, my first change. Refs need to swallow the whistle. Can we go back to the nineties? Can we not have just flopping everywhere and every little player you.
1: gets touched? Oh my! Goodness. Every single time
0: someone just gets a hair <laughs> nicked. Oh my god! It's 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 bores the my eyes out of my skull. I hate every time. Thank you. Oh my god! Like. Thirty seconds of play, and then free throws, and then another foul, and then another foul, and then not only did we have to call a foul, we have to find a, we had to go and look at it on replay to see whether it was a flagrant one or a flagrant two. Who cares? Can we speed up the game a little bit in the NBA? I think that's my one issue with that league. It's just too. Oh, it's so boring to me. I can't stand it. I can't stand it.
1: Hey, I'm that's, with you on that one. That's
0: my that's the first decision I make. We're speed we're getting rid of every time someone gets touched. Just a little bit. Just a little scratch in the elbow. Oh, I'm sorry. You get here's three free throws for you.
1: Sometimes it's not even a, a touch. It's legit Oh, it's, ha- hand in the face barely even grazed him. So, gra- so didn't are you even you him grazed
2: are you advocating that we go back to Bill and shoving people out of bounds into the eighth row?
0: Absolutely not. But can we can we lay it off a little bit? Like we've gone way too far in the other direction.
1: Absolutely.
0: Like can we find the happy medium? Like yeah, you have to. You can't just. You can drive to net a little bit, and yeah, you can fall on your on, on your butt, and it's not exactly a foul. Great job fighting through traffic. Here's two points. You're not getting a third.
2: Exactly. So right, hold on. We, hold on one sec. So this, are, you guys must not be happy about the three free throws if you like even touch the shooter or even land in his landing spot, right? As they as they say, you guys don't like that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like that. I mean, I'm kind of am I don't know. I don't. I think it's kind of cheap to when a guy's in the air to like take his legs out. I don't like that. I think that's kind of a cheap shot, but.
0: I I mean, are, you, be- are you purposely, like, trying to fall under him, and, like, trip him? No, but if you just happen to fall and you come down on your on – your, like, Yeah, like if, you're, if you're Zaza you know I mean?
1: Petrulia intentionally doing it, I don't like that. But can we just not
0: pretend, like, every little thing is is trying to hurt someone or is, is going to, you know, cause someone a career-ending injury? That's all. Like, can we, like, just can we lay off a little bit? Can we, can we go back to middle ground, let the players ultimately decide what happens on the court and not the referees?
2: Honest, I, th- I thought I was going to be outraged about this, but like, if we, I'm not like, not shoving people in the eighth row like Bill Lampier, but not, oh my gosh, you sniffed his elbow. That's a flagrant. Right, like like my, my point is, <laughs> but like, like we, we find don't even... that like 2010, 2011, 2009, Ben, you know, the, the Kobe days and yep. it was, I don't know. Yeah. I, the game wouldn't be as finesse. And I think, you know, players have never been more skilled and they cover so much ground nowadays that like calls are pretty much assumed at this point. Like you must have hit them. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I think it'd be good to have more contact. Absolutely. Have more conflict, have more people upset, have more, you know, raised tempers. Absolutely. I'd love like we're we like to react to stuff. Why wouldn't we want to see more amplified anger? You know, why wouldn't we want to see more fights. You know, that that'd be fun to watch. Like,
0: I don't want I I'm not advocating to bring back the bad boys' pistons or have another malice at the palace moment. But yeah. all I'm saying is That's what mean, started all
2: of that. Yeah. Like
0: j- just because it just because you breathe on a player did not mean he gets a f- couple free throws. And it j- it slows the game down for me. Yeah. That's that was my biggest problem trying to get into basketball. People say baseball's boring, but baseball was designed that way. I mean, and I'll believe me, I'll get to baseball in a moment because I have a ton of change in the major league baseball
2: <laughs> Okay, but, so Commissioner Andrew, um, I'm I'm for this. I I, I check my box on this one. I was um, I was gonna oppose you on this, but the more you explained it, not quite '90s, not quite '80s, but a nice little balance in between. I'm for it. Check for uh, Commissioner Andrew. I'm on board with this one. Ben,
1: I will sign off on this as well. I like it. So okay.
2: that's
0: my one change for the NBA. The NFL. I also only really have one change. It really doesn't even affect anything on the field. I mean, I would re- realign the divisions, divisional realignment.
1: I was thinking that too.
0: In the AFC, I would switch the Ravens, the Colts, and the Dolphins because it makes absolutely zero sense that the Indianapolis Colts are in the AFC South. I would put the Colts in the AFC North, the Ravens in the AFC East, and the Dolphins in the AFC South. That way you, have, you also get way more competition that way, right? For how, how long? has the AFC East just been maybe the worst division in football year in and year out since the Patriots forever, right? You put the Ravens in that division, you get a little bit more competition, right? You get, you maybe, you give the Browns and the, and the Bengals a chance in the AFC North when you add in the Colts, the AFC South, then you probably get it gets a little bit worse taking the Colts out and putting in the Dolphins, but just for geographical purposes and to ease everyone on travel, Yeah, let's, let's, let's fix that. It just, it makes zero sense that those three teams are are in those divisions and I would switch something NFC too, but this would never happen. I switched the Panthers and the Cowboys, Cowboys in the South Panthers in the East. Think about it geographically. Why are the Philadelphia Eagles flying to flying to Dallas every year when they can just fly to Charlotte, which is half the distance. It would never happen because they don't want to upset those classic rivalries between the Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Cowboys. It would never happen. But if we're just doing it for geographical purposes, that's another change I would make in the NFL. But on field-wise, I mean, if we had stuck with the rule that you can challenge a penalty, if you can challenge the pass interference, just because of the what happened with the Saints and the Rams a couple of years ago, I would have eliminated that. But that's already been eliminated. That's my one change in the NFL, though. Divisional realignment. What do you guys think?
1: I'm not, like, fully opposed to it. I also want to, like... That you brought up a, a point in my head. This is more towards NBA, but it falls along the division thing. Why are the New Orleans Pelicans in the Western Conference?
0: No, that that makes
1: that makes sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me. Look at look at a map. Where's division, New Orleans?
0: The divisions is, is the Mississippi River and the and New Orleans. I mean it runs directly through the center of the city, but I guess you know
1: To me that's eastern, but that that's just like a minor gripe I
2: have, but Yeah. It it is eastern, but like to look at the map and you look at like the upper like the northwest. Like Idaho doesn't have a team. Like, what else are you gonna put in the? In yeah, the that's
0: I mean,
1: exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I would.
0: I mean, if we're talking NBA, I would eliminate divisions all altogether. Yeah, they, they just don't matter. No one. The divisions still exist. Like the Celtics division is what the Celtics, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Right, but no one like no one cares if you won, whatever the hell division it's called, because the playoffs aren't structured that way.
2: The Atlantic is what it's called.
0: Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. I would eliminate that altogether because no one cares. It's, you're mm-hmm. just wasting my time with
2: that. All right, so let's vote. Ben, you you for this uh, division realignment at least in NFL?
1: Yeah, I'm open to that. Absolutely,
2: I'm down with it. So you're right. you're two and zero here, Andrew. You're you're doing Sweet. well. Don't strike out.
1: Sweet.
0: <laughs> All right, the NHL. I would fix. I would one more fights, more fights yes. in the NHL. I'm sick and tired of the referees pulling these guys apart. Yep. And not letting them fight. I I don't want to again. I don't want to go back to the 1970s and 60s where everyone, every play ends in a in a in a bench clearing brawl. But can we have at least, you know, if two guys want to go out and they're two willing participants, why are we pulling them apart, especially in the playoffs? Especially in the playoffs. The NHL playoffs are the greatest playoffs in professional sports and it's not even close. Mhm. Right? And part of that is because of the animosity and the, and the legit hatred of of the teams on the ice.
1: Yep. Passion. Can we let that happen?
0: Like just think back to 2011. Think about to the Bruins and the Canucks in the twenty eleven Stanley Cup Finals. That was probably the greatest playoff series I have ever seen. Because Alex, of the legit, Alex
1: Burrow bit Patrice Bergeron.
0: Because of the legit hatred between those two teams. Yeah. One more fighting in NHL. Another one in the NHL. I would change the playoffs. Again, I would just go back to one through eight playoff seating. I would go back to that. No more. You had to win your division and then this divi- you had like a mini divisional round and then you finally get between like the best of one division and the best of the other division in the Conference yeah. in the conference finals. What ends up happening is you get a mediocre product there. You end up having your best matchups consistently in the second round, right? You want your most pivotal, you want your most electric rivalries being showcased on the biggest stage. Yeah. So I would make I would change it back to one through eight playoff seating. My final change, and this was the biggest one for me. No more instant replay on offensive zone entries to determine whether a player entered offsides while ultimately it had nothing to do with the goal being scored, right? No more player enters the zone with the puck, right? They wheeled around, they, they set up their, their, offensive, uh, their offensive set, they're passing the puck around, 50 seconds later a goal scored, right? Why are we going back to 50 seconds beforehand to see if they entered offsides when it had helpfully no bearing on the results of the play? absolutely zero. Those are my three changes to the NHL.
2: I'm a fan. I, I I could go for that. Can I add one more?
0: Yeah.
3: Yes.
2: And this is coming from a, a relatively casual hockey fan. If that might be even a stretch. I mean, I don't watch hockey, but, but I was thinking about ways they could get me to watch and outside of the, the playoffs. The playoffs are good. I don't think they're the best playoffs by far, but oh,
0: stop it. Don't lie but, to yourself.
2: <laughs> but it, I, I'm not going to lie when I'm, I can watch it. It, it hockey is more of a be there sport than a watch on tv sport at least for me um so i was thinking about ways that they could get me to watch more often i want revamped camera angles i want those action movie camera angles that they put in the nfl when they they have it like right over the field they don't use it very often in the nfl but when they have it right above the huddle you know what i'm talking about oh yeah could, cool yeah if you could zoom yeah. in and i'm like in the game and i'm like flying right above like i'm tired of these these nosebleed camera angles I, if playoff, so if playoff hockey is so intense, I want to be in the action. I want to be right above the rink. I want to see the entire thing. I don't want to be up in the nosebleeds. If you're ever at a hockey game and you have to, you're in the nosebleeds, you're using binoculars to see the puck. You can hardly see the puck. You, the, the camera's just swaying left to right. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's like a nap, you know, I don't even need warm milk to take a nap during that. But if, if you put me right like in a face-off, if you put me right above the face-off and I can see the players sweat and I can see them jawing off to each other, I would watch more often. And if you put me like gliding above, I think the NBA did this too, at least um, in the bubble. They had that, that rail cam yeah, that they, they put right along the sideline. You could see the, like you were right next to Paul George as he was shooting a shot. If you put them, like the, put the camera right above the rink and you just like circled around, it's possible. You can do it. That's I not would a watch bad
0: idea. Often. I like it my one issue. Like, and this is a logistical issue. I'm sure they could figure a way to you know, fix this, but like, just that one errant puck smashes the lens of the camera, and then you're without it for the game. Like, you had to pay like you know five hundred thousand dollars to replace it. Whatever. Hey, but listen.
2: How, but how I, many mean, I love the idea. Up though,
0: I love. I don't know that happens more often than you think.
2: By and large, Joe Andrew, you're you're doing well so far. You're three for three in my books.
0: All right, Major League Baseball. And this is the one I had the biggest, the most changes for. First thing, I'm I'm implementing a pitch clock. No more of pitchers taking a minute and a half to throw, throw the ball. You get 20 seconds, get on the rubber, and throw the ball. I'm not waiting up till midnight every night to watch a baseball game. Game moves way too slow.
1: Move it fast. Yes. I'm getting
0: a pitch clock. 20 seconds. I, I'm done with it. I don't care if, if you need – I don't care how the game's been played for 120 years. At this point, if you're taking a, like, anything more than 30 seconds to throw a ball to get ready in a pitch – You're wasting my time. You're wasting my time. I don't need you to step off and blow into your hand or rub the ball or scratch your butt. No more of that. Throw the ball. That's my first change. Number two, to add more offense and to eliminate this whole thing about the three true outcomes with home runs, walks, and strikeouts, I'm eliminating defensive shifts. No more bringing your right fielder in to play third base, your third baseman to play second base, your shortstop to play left field. No. The only shift you can make is you you can still shift left or right but you still have to keep two, so, two guys on either side of the second base. That's another thing I'm changing. All right? It's just, there's no offense. No one gets on base anymore. We saw it in the World Series. How many strikeouts did we see in the World Series because everyone was just trying to hit a home run? How many? I mean, I don't, I'm not, that's a rhetorical I question. Right? I'm eliminating defensive shifts, right? Two guys on either side of the second base at all times. Number three, and this isn't an if or it's a, one or the other. I'm either eliminating interleague play, or I'm adding the DH to the National League. One or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm sick and tired of teams having to play games in the National League of American League teams have to play five, or, you know, having to play twelve or fifteen games in a National League park, right, against a division that has ultimately no bar- that they want to compete for playoff contention for with. When you have to play, there's ten other teams in the in your league outside of your division that you only play six times? How does that make sense? But you're competing with those teams for a wild card spot, right? How come the Red Sox only play the Minnesota t- Twins three times during the year, but they'll go play the Miami Marlins 15? That doesn't make sense to me. So it's either you do that or you, you, get, rid of, uh, you get rid of the differences in the two leagues. You just add the DH. Just add the DH. Remember in the 2018 World Series when Eduardo Rodriguez went up to hit and he looked like he had never even held a bat before? how pathetic that was to watch. Oh my God. I, I was laughing hysterically. My stomach hurt from laughing watching that, but it it shouldn't get to that. It's just sad to watch, trying to watch pitchers hit. So Mm -hmm. it's either one or the other, either eliminate interleague play, right. And have the two leagues really mean something based off of, yeah, that one key difference in how the game is played, or you just add the DH to the national league. That's, that's my, that's another change. One more. I have two more, actually. Eliminate the three batter minimum. Because I have a feeling if you try to implement a pitch clock, pitchers are going to you know cry and moan about, like, oh, you know, I, my arm, I had you know, I to gotta, I gotta revitalize my arm for an extra 30 seconds just so I can get a little bit one mile per hour on my fastball. So in order to get the game moving along a little bit faster, you go back to, like, all right, you have to face one batter. You can go back to having a lefty specialist. You don't have to have a guy go out there and, Face three batters and, and waste and waste your bullpen away. Let let managers manage the game. Give teams more creativity in how to put in how to and uh, how to strategize their their roster. My final one. I would expand the playoffs. I thought the product they made that Major League Baseball put on this postseason and having that opening round with eight games on in a day. It felt like NFL Sunday to me. It felt like college football Saturday. I thought it was great. expand the playoffs more baseball that 's what five changes I make to baseball. Any thoughts on those
2: I think they 're fine i mean i I actually came up with two while you were talking about that. Um, I was
0: going for a, for a long time
2: instead of a pitch clock and i 'm not opposed to a pitch clock, but I would try this first, and if I were a commissioner, I, would, I feel like I would be kind of that dictator that MLB honestly fears, and on every uh, sport fears. And that is if you don't swing at a pitch and you still adjust your batting gloves, automatic million dollar fine. You're thrown <laughs> out of the game and, and you're ejected. I
0: like that. I seriously. Like that.
2: Seriously. How many times do they stand in the batter's box? They see a slider go out like on the outside corner. It's not even near them. And they're re- they stand out of the bot- the batter's box and readjust their gloves. Seriously. Like, come, you didn't even move. You were a statue. I, I've seen statues a little more hectic at bat there. And, and, you're readjusting your batting gloves. That takes at least two minutes onto the at bat. And like you said, speed, speed, speed. My next one. And I, and Ben, will get to you in just a minute is it's too many games.
0: Oh, I've I've never, didn't think the, I didn't think of it. I think it's one go. Cause I've never seen
2: so many games in the middle of June mean absolutely squat. And I know it, it's a tough thing to do because baseball is like a, the, the historian sport. It's really insular and you'd mess up with the stats and blah, blah, blah. But for the sake of my enjoyment, as the dictator um, commissioner, I would shorten it. To, I think, I think you could find like 82 games. Every other league except football does 82 games. Just just limit it down. Make the regular season mean something. If you go to a baseball game and like the Red Sox get shut out eight nothing, it's like oh well they'll just play tomorrow, or in some cases they'll play in two hours. Like I don't know. Make them make the regular season mean something. I I would like a uh, fewer games.
0: So I agree with you on fewer games, but I wouldn't go as small as short to 82 because i i do want to keep baseball season it, it, it's a marathon not a sprint but it doesn't have to be you know a triathlon it yeah. can be it can be a little bit shorter and how i would do that i would just i would start spring training later and i would get i would just have spring training take place in april instead of march right cut out april games because especially here in the northeast and or in the northern cities you know boston new york Minnesota, those outdoor stadiums. No one goes to those games because it's still thirty degrees outside at seven o'clock. Right. Yep. So you're wasting money, right, by having those games be put on. Okay. Start the game. Start the games at like start the regular season at the beginning of May. Run through October as your playoffs. You cut off a month from your season. The players love it because they have an extra long off season to recover from. The games mean more. I would just start the game. Start the season a month later. You go down from like one sixty two to like one fifty four.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, I was thinking more like 120. I'd, I'd like meet in between. But Ben, you had a you had a
1: change. I did. So as a avid baseball fan, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I probably watch less baseball than Jason watches hockey. But anyway, I'm kind of going with the, th- the mindset that Jason had. Whereas, like, what would what do they have to do to make me watch? Right, and something that I honestly enjoyed. Is something that they would do in spring training, but they wouldn't do in the regular season, which is miking up the batters. Brilliant, Ben. Brilliant, Benny, Mike, brilliant. I love Mike, it. Mic up the batters. Why why don't they do this more often? Let's hear what they have to say. Even when they're on base, let's hear what they have to say. You know, a lot of it's just like, you know, nonsense, and it's just like they're just joking around. But I love that. It shows that they have personality. And you know, for a non baseball fan to watch and be like, "Oh wow, that player's a human being. Oh wow, like he's actually kind of funny. You know what I mean?" And like sometimes he'll joke around be like he'll he'll be at the at the plate he'll be like, hope this one's right down the middle, like you know what I mean like it's just mm. it just adds personality, and i I personally love that, and I think you know, in terms of miking up players, they should do that for all sports, and we were talking hockey before, hockey has probably like the best like trash talk in all of sports because they just go at it. Granted, it would definitely be, you know, that would very much violate FCC regulation, by the way. But, like, man, is that entertaining. If you ever watch, like, the... Uh, uh, I, I know what you're talking sh- about. You, they do those shows where, like, they'll yeah. they'll mic up the NHL players, but it'll be uncensored, and they'll just be trashing each other. The re- they'll trash the refs. Like, that's awesome. I want to hear more players mic'd up. That is my number one thing. But, yeah, baseball, definitely. Mic up the players. I don't know why they just do it in spring training. They should do that all the time.
0: The one problem I have with micing them up in, in, a, in a game that means something, though, is that I think they'd be too like, – mic them up, but don't have them having an interview with the broadcast booth. Oh, no, yeah, no. That, like, that's it's all. Not, like, if you want to if you, if you mic them up and they can have – and you, you play it later on in the game, like here's what they said during this at bat, fine. But don't have him trying to concentrate and give me an answer to an interviewer. when no. he's just trying to hit a ninety-nine mile per hour fastball.
1: And then, but like, but like, if you're like standing in center field and there hasn't been a ball coming your way in like three innings, and you're just standing out there catching suntan, like, <laughs> yeah. you can, you can, you can talk a little bit. You know, they did I that mean? during the playoffs this year. That's what I'm saying. I love that. Keep that going. Like, let's see more of that. Yeah, I like it. That's not a bad idea.
2: Andrew, since this is about to be your your landscape of of American sports, I know we're up against time. Would you change any of the logos?
0: Oh, any lo- like what do you mean, like change like the Jerry West logo?
2: Yeah, to LeBron, something like that. <laughs>
0: Ooh, I didn't. I
1: didn't if you that do that, enough. I
2: mean, you got my vote right there.
1: Listen, hey, no, oh, can, I, can me, I? Go ahead. I was gonna say when Kobe Bryant passed. Yes. I was I was lobbying for making him the logo because. Very very few guys have done what he's done. I mean, the only other guys really are, you know, Magic, Bird, Jordan, LeBron, like you know what I mean, Kareem, those guys. But I mean, just when that when Kobe passed, to me that was like a no brainer. Make him the logo. Make him the logo. That that's the only thing. And I understand Jerry West is historic and everything, but his career doesn't touch Kobe's. I'm sorry.
2: I think if I were the commissioner, I'd follow that dictator thing, and I would make it I would, I would. would make it like the JNBA, Jason's National Basketball Association. I'd have my face <laughs> on every logo. I, I would just make it mine. It's my league. <laughs> I my would, sport. They're mine.
0: I, I wouldn't change any logos. What I would do, though, is this isn't exactly changing a logo, but it's changing a team. I'd move the Tampa Bay Rays to Montreal and spring back the Expos.
1: No. Do you know who is drafted to the Montreal Expos? Oh, sh-
2: all right, that's about <laughs> right, all the time we have for Final Call Tom, this week. Tom, Jim, Jim,
1: Bob, Brady, whatever No, it Thomas Edward <laughs> Patrick Brady Jr. That's Lingo. all the time we have that. for Final
0: Call this week. As always, you can listen to us in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out the scoreboardtimes.com and newenglandsportsunited.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FinalCallMCC. For Jason Snow, for Ben Mamertus, I'm Andrew Fantuccio. This has been the final call on Radio Massasoit. There
3: must be some kind of way out of here. Set a joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief